0: You are listening to a message from Lanesville Christian Church. For more information about Lanesville Christian Church, please visit lanesvillechristian.church. I was asked to, to make one more announcement about uh, what's going to happen this Friday. The next three Fridays is faith training with Eric Berry. Um, Eric Berry, I've, I've said this before, he, he led the covenant training that we went through last year that was well attended and, and it, was, it was just a fantastic time. And uh, and Eric Berry is a fantastic teacher. Um, So I would highly encourage you, if you can, on the next three Friday nights to commit to coming out to faith training. Um, And what time does that start? At 6 o'clock. All right, 6 o'clock, and and I'm pretty sure there's going to be some finger foods, right? So, yep. all right, so we'll we'll have some food here for us. And it will just be a great time of study. If you can come, if you're thinking about coming, please uh, talk to Atticus. Or you can call the church office, get a hold of Patty, and so we, we 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 want to get a number for that so that we can make the amount of books that we need to make for that that event. So um, that's coming up, and and it, it's just going to be great. I just want to tell you it's going to be great. So please come if you can come. All right. So let me get into this here. Last week we um, we we've been going through we've been going through Matthew for a long time. We're right right now we're at the last day of his life. It's actually the last night right now. Um, last week. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he had just been arrested. This is where we're going to pick it up now. Um, Matthew 26, verse 57. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, any false evidence, though many false witnesses came forward. And that's verse 60. Now, now skip down to verse 67 here, and, and look what it says. Then they spit in his face, and they struck him with their fist, and others slapped him. And they said, prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? I just want to ask, what 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 happened? What just happened? Uh, Granted, it's an illegal trial in the middle of the night with false witnesses, but you you would think it would still try. They would have some appearance of being civil and legit and orderly. And 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 within a matter of moments, it seems like they're they're hitting Jesus, they're striking Jesus, they're spitting on Jesus. And my question is, what what? What made them so violent? And I would take you back to the beginning of the chapter. This is verse 67 right now. Weeks ago, we were at the beginning of this chapter. And in verses 3 through 5, it says, Then the chief priests and the elders of the people, they assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name is Caiaphas. And they plotted to arrest Jesus in some slight way and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. Now, this would have been, on, this would have been around triumphal entry. The, 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 this would have been around Sunday, and now we're at Thursday. Um, but, but you see what the, they plotted to arrest Jesus in some sly way to kill him. This is premeditated murder. I just want us to be clear about that. and to understand what's going on here. And, and, and now he's been arrested, and now he's been taken to the house of Caiaphas, the high priest. And, and verse 57 says, <coughs> "Excuse me, those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders they had assembled, they took him to Caiaphas's home in the middle of the night, in secret, during Passover. Verse 59 says, the chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin, they were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. In verse 60, said, uh, says, finally two came forward, and they declared, this fellow, Jesus, he, he said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. So that's not what he said. He said, you destroy the temple, and I will rebuild it in three days. And he's talking about himself. But he never said he was going to destroy the temple. So they're misquoting him. How often does that happen still today? The whole trial was a joke with corrupt lawyers and prosecutors and false evidence and lying witnesses and corrupt judges. And what would you have going on here, this two-tiered justice system where the guilty are acquitted and the innocent are condemned, justice for the religious Pharisees, but no justice for Jesus. And I don't know if you can relate to that. I'm just saying it's a very frustrating thing, isn't it? Very frustrating, very disheartening when you see this. And and just to be clear, Pilate and Herod found no reason to condemn Jesus. No evidence. You keep going through the passage here, verse 62, Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? And Jesus remained silent. Jesus remains silent through all this. I, I, I want to give you uh, just some, uh, some info about the legal system, of the Jewish, the Jewish le- legal system, uh, which was a very good legal system. I understand that a lot of American uh, laws are based on the Jewish legal system. A couple things to, to, to note here. Criminal cases must be tried and completed during daylight hours. Criminal cases could not be tried during the Passover season because of the Passover season. What is Passover? Passover is a feast. And, and if you try somebody, this is capital punishment, if you try somebody for capital punishment, the trial had to take at least three days, one day to examine the evidence. And, and, and if you find the person to be guilty and, 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 you, and you know where this is headed, you're going to sentence the man to capital punishment, to death, then there must be a day of fasting so that mercy can arise, so new evidence can, can, can arise. There has to be, so, so it has to take at least, minimum, three days. When you try a person and then you fast, you seek God, you, you seek the will of God, you seek discretion, and then you pronounce the judgment, you pronounce the sentence. Three days, and during the three days, the second day is to fast and pray to God but you can't fast during a feast during the feast you're supposed to be feasting not fasting so, so you're not even it's illegal to even have a trial during Passover the verdicts of the Sanhedrin are valid only if they are only if they meet in the hall of he, hewn stones in the temple precinct and they're meeting at Caiaphas' house they're not meeting they're not meeting in a courtroom they're meeting in a man's house in the middle of the night All the evidence had to be guaranteed by at least two witnesses. These witnesses must be examined separately, and and they they cannot have any contact with each other. And the objective, two things here. The objective, first of all, is justice. But also a a huge objective in the Jewish system is the preservation of life. Yes, there is a time. You sentence somebody to death according to the, the word of God. Purge the evil from among you. So there is a time for that, but, but you seek mercy. As you're seeking justice, you also seek mercy, because life is precious, and we don't want to condemn a person to death. That should be the attitude. We should never want to condemn somebody to death. I read this at Caiaphas, and the Sanhedrin broke at least 40 laws in the, in the arrest of Jesus Christ, um, in the trial of Jesus Christ. They met at night. They met in secret. They met during Passover. They met in Caiaphas' home. They were looking looking for false evidence. They knowingly used false witnesses. I want you to hear what the Old Testament says about that. Um, In Deuteronomy 19, it says, If a malice witness takes the stand to accuse a man of a crime... A malice witness accuses a man of a crime. The two men involved in the dispute must stand in the presence of the Lord before the priests and the judges who are in, in the office at the time. And the judges must make a thorough investigation. And if the witness proves to be a liar, giving false testimony against his brother, that's one of the Ten Commandments right there, thou shalt not, in verse 19, this is a Deuteronomy 19, verse 19, then do to him as he intended to do to his brother. You must purge the evil from among you. goes on, it says in verse 20, The rest of the people will hear of this and be afraid, and never, never again will such an evil thing be done among you. What a great deterrent to, to this crime of, of, of preventing, pre- presenting false evidence, falsely accusing someone, that, that they are to receive the crime for what they're accusing the other person of doing. They're, they're to receive the, the, the sentence. So everything about this trial, everything about this trial was illegal. And Jesus remained silent. Which takes us to verse 63. Notice this, verse 63, the high priest said to to him, to, to Jesus, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Caiaphas, who, who, who he's acting as prosecutor, judge, and jury, he, make, he makes Jesus answer. One, by, by the way, that, that, that also is against the Jewish uh, legal system. Um, you know, he should be able, they don't call it the Fifth Amendment, but there was the same thing. He shouldn't have to testify against himself. But here, Caiaphas, he tells Jesus that he is to answer the question under oath. Are you the Son of God? He's not allowed to plead the Fifth. He's, for, he's being forced to answer. And, and what Caiaphas did here is Completely improper. The high priest is to preside. He's not, he's not supposed to intervene. He's actually forbidden to ask the accused any questions. He says, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Are you the Son of God? What's Jesus going to do now? What's our options? What's our options? Uh, if Jesus could, you know, could he could say nothing, just just remain silent. Is that is that an option? Is that a legit o- option when you're asked, "Are you the Christ? Are you the Son of God?" Just just do nothing. Just say nothing. Is that is that? Can you do nothing? Can you stay silent at this point? And and, and the, the fact that no, you can't. Le- Leviticus five verse one: if a person uh, if a person sins because he does not speak up. When he hears a public charge to, te- to t- testify regarding something he has seen or learned about, he will be held responsible. Now, what this is saying in Leviticus, if you know something you are required by law, you've got to, you've got to say it. It was considered a sin to remain silent about something you knew to be true when you were called to testify. So, so is staying silent even an option? No, no. According to Leviticus, that would be a sin to remain silent at this point. And Jesus was without sin. We know that Jesus was without sin. So he couldn't stay silent, and he couldn't say no, because that would be a lie. That would be another sin. You can't, you can't say no. So, okay, so if you can't stay silent, and you can't say no, what, what's, what's our other option here? Say yes. And what's Jesus do? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied That's big. That's huge. He goes on and says, But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. I want to talk today about this. what, what Caiaphas said. Are you the Son of God? And Jesus says, yes. So that, that term, Son of God, are you the Son of God? Which, which is, as I can tell, everything I can tell here, Jesus never referred to himself with those, those words before. Uh, Jesus never referred to himself as the Son of God. He called himself the Son of Man a lot, which actually means the same thing. Um, but he never referred to himself as the Son of God. However, if, if you study through the Scriptures, you'll see this term a lot. Now, uh, the angels use that term in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So, talking to Mary here. So, so the Holy One to, to be born will be called the Son of God. That's what the angel told Mary. The, the baby inside of you will be called the Son of God. You see it in Mark chapter three, verse eleven. The demons, um, the demons said, whenever the evil spirit um, saw Jesus, whenever the evil spirits saw Jesus, they fell down before him and they cried out, "You are the Son of God." So the demons recognized it. The angels recognized it. Satan, when he was trying to tempt Jesus, this is in, uh, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, I think, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So here Satan is, is recognizing that Jesus is the son of God. When Jesus was brought before Pilate, the, the Jews insisted, we have a law, according to the, the law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God, which he, okay, he, did, he said yes, he says, I am the son of God. Um, once again, right there, Son of God, Son of God. all. Over the place. And, and then you can, you can go through Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. I want to show a few of them here to you. Uh, what in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, wonderful, He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Talking about Jesus. Talking about Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, When Jesus was born, the angels declared Jesus would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. In John chapter 1, John wrote, In the beginning was the Word of God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus was there in the beginning. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is God. Paul makes it very clear in in Colossians chapter 2. He says, For in him, Jesus, in, in, in Christ Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. Now all the deity lives in bodily form, I think is what it says. Yeah, all the deity lives in bodily form. Um, this is who we're talking about. We're talking about Jesus, the Son of God. And, and look at how when, when Jesus said yes, when, when Caiaphas charged him under oath, are you the Son of God? And Jesus says, yes, it is as you say. That's when they hit him. That's when they spat on him. That's when they, they started beating him. And our world today isn't much different. People still respond to Jesus' name in violent ways. Have you noticed that? Have you seen that? Have you done that? I saw an article in a church newsletter, very profound article. Jesus, it's a little name. A small word. Say this little name in public, however, in a way other than an obs- obscenity and stand back and watch the fireworks. This little name is like a tiny detonator that triggers a nuclear warhead. When You, 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 you can say God and, and you won't get a squeak. You can say our father or you can say our mother in heaven and few people will flinch. You can say great spirit and people will nod in approval. You can say Allah, and you will be deemed tolerant. But you say Jesus, and just wait for the sonic boom. Articles will appear in the paper. reprimands will be posted from the home office. Suits will be threatened by the civil liberties block. So don't say Jesus. Jesus is divisive. And now is the time for Unity. Jesus is an extremist, I mean, you know, like uh, somebody with, associated with the right wing. Jesus is exclusive, so his name amounts to hate speech. Keep his name to yourself, cloister it in your church, lock it in your prayer closet, close it between the covers of your Bible, but for God's sake, don't voice it in the public square. It's immodest, it's immoral, it's unloving. Only one problem with that. Jesus is God. Only one problem with this. Jesus alone brings, brings salvation. Only one problem. All other gods are nothing. So speak his name aloud and shout it from the mountains. And whisper it in the dark and write in the sky because it's not hate, it's hope. It's the only hope that we have is the name of Jesus. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm sure many of you have seen, seen this posted uh, this week. We saw this posted this week in New Albany. Um, Chris Robinson he writes Teresa and I went down to New Albany, New Albany Public, uh, New Albany Board of Public Works to ask for permission to shoot an, an alley in the alleyway for our, our movie America Prayer, America's Prayer. Just one small scene that would be shot on a Sunday for a maximum of two hours. And they unequivocally let us know that in no uncertain terms that they wanted no part of a Jesus film. They said, and I quote, we don't want to make New Albany the sacrificial lamb. Not even sure what that means, he writes. Um, they also said with great sarcasm, what, what do you all do? Pick out all the scriptures like Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven and make a movie out of it? He says, you could see the disdain in their eyes. And then Teresa explained that, that Jesus would be in the alleyway bringing hope and a message of redemption. And even, even though some of them had tears in their eyes, they would not budge. No matter how we explained it, no matter how we poured out our hearts about what the youth are facing in today's world, they came back with no after no after no until they just made a motion, voted no, and we had to leave. He writes, our kids are dying From a tsunami of drugs and darkness, and these politicians do not want to be part of the solution. Oh, they said they agreed with our message, but they were not willing to make New Albany the sacrificial lamb. Sorry, public works. Jesus is the only sacrificial lamb. This is the world we now live in. I'm just offering you some evidence here of what the world is doing to Jesus, what the world wants to do to Jesus. Jesus. They hate him. They hate Jesus. They want him to die. And you thought that was 2,000 years ago? I'm telling you, it's still going on today. They just just want Jesus to shut up and go away. And they don't see he's our our only hope. John writes in, in, in John chapter 20, verse 31, These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. In that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is why the whole gospel of John was written, so that you would understand he is the Son of God. John writes in 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he is he in God. It says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, he who has a son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is a pretty important topic. Is Jesus the son of God? Jesus said yes. And Caiaphas, his verdict, this is the back page of your outline, then the high priest tore his clothes and said he has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all answered, he is worthy of death what's the verdict, what's the verdict here when Jesus said yes I am the son of God the verdict is immediately blasphemy, that is blasphemy and I want us to talk about blasphemy, what is blasphemy what, what, what's your understanding of that word What does that mean to you uh, the definition that I have here, the act of insulting or showing contempt or lack of reverence for God that's one definition of blasphemy here's another one, the act of claiming the attributes of a, of a deity the, the act of, of claiming to be God, that's blasphemy irreverence towards something considered sacred or um, I can't read that word I should have just stopped there sacred irreverence towards something sacred alright there you go That's what, do you, under, you understand what blasphemy is everybody understands what blasphemy is and I would tell you my, here's my thought blasphemy is a very serious issue and I don't know that we take it serious enough because i'm thinking in our culture our culture you know if you had a list of great offenses in our world today i would think i would think that murder might be the top of the list anymore though i'm not even sure that makes it the top of the list now you know what's what's the greatest offense maybe murder maybe murder where's blasphemy on that list blasphemy shows up like what 5073 if that if that i mean there is no list but i'm thinking blasphemy should be taken a lot more serious in our world today than what we take it showing irreverence to God, showing contempt for God, not using his name as as a swear word. Our culture has no problem insulting God. That's blasphemy. It has no problem showing contempt for God or being disrespectful to God, but it has a huge problem with Jesus being God. You see the problem? And, And I'm just trying to make the case here, blasphemy is a terrible thing. It's a terrible offense. And what Jesus said would have been blasphemy if he had not been God. But he is God. Son of God is his rightful title. And, and, and we've been going through the book of Matthew for I I want three years, three years. Matthew's whole point in writing the gospel is to present the evidence Jesus is the Son of God. You look at his life, Jesus is obviously the Son of God. You look at his teachings, you look at what he said. You look at his miracles, you look at all the miracles which 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 affirm that Jesus is the Son of God. And, 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 and the Pharisees, they called all their, they had all their evidence, they had all their false witnesses. Jesus was never given a chance to call any of his, any of his witnesses. You mean, Jesus, you got anything to say? You want you got any evidence? Yeah, yeah. Lazarus, hey Lazarus, come here. You know? You tell them. Um, what what about you know Jairus' daughter? What Jairus himself? What about, what about? Uh, the blind man, the lame man, the, 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 the men who were healed of, of leprosy. Story after story after story of people who experienced the power of God through Jesus because he is the Son of God. So you look at his life, you look at his teachings, you look at his miracles, you look at his disciples, not before Jesus rose from the dead, but after Jesus rose from the dead, those men were changed. Those men, those men changed the world because their belief system changed, because their lives had been changed, and all that happened because they understood Jesus is the Son of God. You look at the fulfilled prophecies. Joshua McDowell, he writes that the Old Testament contains over 300 references to the Messiah that were fulfilled by Jesus. The chief priests and the Sanhedrin, they were all looking for false evidence, but they refused to look at the real evidence. 2,000 years later, we live in a world that's still looking for false evidence against Jesus, not looking at the real evidence. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 1, that, that people are suppressing the truth. People suppress the truth. So Caiaphas, Caiaphas's verdict, the high priest tore his clothes. He said he has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they answered, he's worthy of death. And my said, no, he's not. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our all. He's worthy of everything, but not death. Caiaphas said, this is blasphemy. What do you think? And I want to ask you, what do you think? You be the jury. Of all that you know about Jesus, all you've heard about Jesus, all that you've seen, you examine the evidence. And what do you think? What is your verdict? Let me ask this question. How does this affect your life? How does this affect your life? If Jesus is the Son of God, and I say he is, then the consequences are enormous. First of all, it tells us that God God exists. And that he can be known through Jesus. And that he would rather die than live without you. And that Jesus is alive now, here and now. And that Jesus is the only way to the Father. It, it, it tells us a lot. Matthew 16, Jesus asked Peter, what, what about you? Who, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So so Jesus asked Peter, what do you think? What do you think? Who do you say that I am? And I'm asking you, who do you say he is? What do you think? It's it's a question Caiaphas asked asked the jury that night, what do you think? It's a question you must answer, what do you think? Philip Yancey, he, he says, it occurs to me that That all the contorted theories about Jesus that have been spontaneously generating since the day of his death merely confirm the awesome risk that God took when he stretched himself out on uh, on that table. A risk he seemed to welcome. Examine me. Test me. You decide. You decide. God wants you to examine him. God wants you to test him. He wants you to decide. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and I got one more point that I want to make. But the worship team, come on, up, come on up. And um, and before I make this point, this is I, I just don't want to rush through this. I, I think you know I, I'm trying to present the story. I'm trying to present the evidence. I'm trying to present the case, and I'm trying to I'm trying to force you to do something with this. Um, it's just it's just, not, it's just not right that we just come to church and sing a couple songs and leave and nothing changes nothing happens I mean the whole point of this is to hear from God and encounter God and and be changed by God So I would ask you I go back to the question what do you think what are you going to do with this are you what what they did 2000 years ago they condemned an innocent man to death they spat on him they beat him they mocked him that's what they did 2,000 years ago what are we doing today what are we doing a lot of people are just ignoring it and just going on with life is that an option really is that an option what do you think who is Jesus to you and if he's the son of God, don't you think you ought to do something with that information? One, one more point that I want to make. While you, think about, while you think about your answer to that question, one more point I want to make. What, what did, what did uh, Caiaphas says? The, uh, he, he tore his clothes. He's, uh, he has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you've heard the blasphemy. What, what do you think? And they all answered, he's worthy of death. You see the, thing he, the first thing he did? He tore his clothes. Caiaphas tore his clothes. Now, now in, if you know much about the Old Testament, that's a sign of grieving, mourning. You know, uh, uh, they sat in sackcloth and ashes they, because they're grieving. They're grieving this great offense that the name of God has been blasphemed. But, but here's some more information for you here. In Leviticus, this is what it says. The high priest, the one among the brothers who has had the anointing, anointing oil poured on, on his head, and who has been ordained to wear the priestly garments, must not let his hair become unkempt or tear his clothes. The high priest, get the last part of that, must not tear his clothes, must not tear his priestly garments. Leviticus 10 verse 6 says, Then then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, um, I can't say their names, Do not let your hair become unkempt and do not tear your clothes or you will die and the Lord will be angry with the whole community. The garments of the high priest were very special garments, made to very exact specifications. the Old Testament, um, the ripping of the garment was a sign of great mourning, but the priests were specifically told never to tear their priestly garments. If a priest tore his garment, he lost his position as priest and could very well face death. When Caiaphas dramatically ripped his garment to show how offended he was by Jesus' words, he was unknowingly breaking the Levitical law. A very important Levitical law that is is obscure and most people don't even know about it. Um, In so doing, he he was unknowingly renouncing his position as priest. Clothes are only torn when there is no further use for them. He tore his priestly garments because there's no more further use for his priestly garments. The ripping of his priestly garb symbolized that the priesthood had departed him when Caiaphas tore his garment not only did his spiritual authority come to an end but so did the authority of the entire Levitical priesthood it all came to an end the old order was gone the new order has come Jesus Christ is our high priest that's good news that's really good news what are you going to do with it? I told you 2,000 years ago, they, they beat him, they spat on him, they eventually crucified him. 2,000 years later, so many people just ignore him. What about you? Gracious Father, I pray that your spirit moves in this room right now. Father God, help us to, to see in ourselves, what we have done to you, what we have done with you, and help us to repent, Father God, if we have blasphemed your name, if we have, if we have treated you with contempt our hostility. Father God, all that you've done for us, the only, the only good answer is for us to declare you are worthy of everything. You are worthy of our lives. So Father God, I I pray that you find us being a people who are wholeheartedly sold out to live for you, to live for your name, to live for your glory, to be your people, to, to do your will. Help us to be loving, help us to be kind, help us to be Help us to, to, to be led by your spirit and all that we do. Help us to make a difference in this world, this world that is so dark. Help us to be the light that we're called to be because you have been so good to us. So Father God, I just pray once again, you move in this room. Break our hard hearts and help us become the people you're calling us to be.